which He freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intentions, which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth in Him. Father, we come today to continue to our understanding of redemption. Father, help us. Open our eyes. Help us to uh, set aside what we have preconceived. And Father, let us drink deep of what truth is. Father, please let us be overwhelmed that this was all put in before the foundations of the world. And that, Father, everything is right on schedule only to your perfect timing. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Can I want to share with you because this letter is part of a group of letters, uh, Philemon, Colossians, Philippians, and Ephesians that are called the prison epistles. And the word epistle means letter. So it's prison letters. And the reason that it's called that is the Apostle Paul is in Rome chained to a Roman soldier awaiting trial. Roman soldiers would become and they would switch off every 12 hours. But for 24 hours a day, he would have a soldier chained to him. Poor soldiers. But anyway, it's almost like God says, I'm going to have to throw your rear end in jail so I can get you to sit down and pin some of this stuff. And so the letter to the Ephesians, one of the things that I always hold back in the back of my head when I'm going through it is Paul is chained to a Roman soldier writing this. And yet when you read this, there is so much encouragement there that you're just overwhelmed by it. And yet I think about us today, the things that distract us, that make us sad, make us blue. Okay, Paul's in jail for preaching the gospel. He didn't mug anybody. He didn't get drunk driving on his mule. He wasn't doing anything like that. He's in jail, an innocent man. And yet he's writing to encourage the saints. I find that fascinating. All right. So we looked at this word in verse seven and we're breaking this out. We understand that through verses three through 14 is one sentence, 202 words. All right. And we are in a part here that we're looking at the Trinity's plan. And because of the Trinity's plan, Paul starts off with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All right? And then he gets into what the plan was. And he deals with it past, present, and future. And I gave you three words. In the past, it was through election. In the present, it is redemption. In the future, it is inheritance. And we're we're working our way through that. And we are in the word right now for redemption. Redemption. And it literally means to be bought in a slave market to be set free. Okay? Now, I want you to think about that for a second. What are you willing to go spend your hard-earned cash for so that when you buy it, you can get rid of it? Can you think of anything? I'm going to buy this so I can set it free. Now, I can give you Hosea and Gomer. 
But I can't give you a lot more beyond that except the fact of the Redeemer, who is the beloved of God, went to the slave market and purchased the redeemed to set them free. Who would do such a thing? I mean, if we go to the slave market, we're going to buy something. We're going to buy it so we can use it. I want to use it for something. I mean, if you go to a sale barn to buy a cow, you don't buy the cow that says, here, fly, be free. You just don't do that. You buy it because I'm going to give you a really cold place to stay forever. <laughs> All right. But that's, that's true. That's how we do it. Nobody buys something because to set it free. Spend the money for nothing. So last week we looked at the beloved son in whom God was well pleased. So now I want to look at the redeemed, the redeemed. Okay. In verse six and seven, you see two pronouns. Okay. Us and we. Okay. There's also another pronoun in chapter two, verse one. You. Okay, the us are the ones who have been accepted. Remember, I showed you the, the, the word last week in the Greek has been graced. They've been graced. Okay, the we have redemption. Okay, these are pronouns for you who are truly into the English language. What's the antecedent? So I can understand the pronoun. And everybody goes, well, what's that mean? Don't worry about it. I had to look it up. Okay, I thought it made me look sound smart. I mean, last week I was talking about ministering to the rednecks. So this week I'm going to add a seeding. What is that? It's sort of like a buffering on steroids. Let's meet the redeemed because you see some more in chapter 2, verse 1. The us and the we, and we can't forget you. All right? The first thing that you see about the us, the we, and the you If you combine them all together, they are hopeless, they are helpless, and they are known as sinners. They are owned by a master. Their master is sin. Okay? So, if you go with me over to chapter 2, we can start seeing what the antecedent is. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Verse 2. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, wrath, even as the rest. Okay. When you see the word walk, always understand this, the life. When you say walk as I walk, show me the life. All right. So the us, the we and the you are mastered by their sin. Their sin. They are dead. They are dead. 
They're walking as the world. They're walking according to Satan. They are children of disobedience. They are guided. They are mastered by lust and desire. Verse 3 says that they are children of wrath. That is the us, the we, and the you. Are you encouraged yet? That's amazing stuff. That's an amazing stuff. What a group. What a group. Just makes you want to hang out with them, doesn't it? Let's go on vacation together. We're all dead, hopeless, helpless, led on by desire, led on by lust. We're following Satan. We are children. We love lies better than we love truth. Here's a little more we can get into. Verse 11 of chapter 2. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, if you got a King James Version, it will translate it heathen. We were heathens, Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Sounds nice. And yet, you know what? There's people out there right now who don't believe that. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. Chapter 4, verse 17. So I say this and affirm together with the Lord that you walk, okay? You live no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. Futility of your minds. Paul, speaking of the doctrine of sin in Romans chapter 2, talks about God gives them over. And there's a progression that he gives them over to. The people in their sin believe that this sin will make me happy. This here will fulfill me. And then you get it and you have been given over to it. And then you keep giving over to it and you keep giving over to it. Then what happens is you will actually be given over to a, uh, your own little religion thing. Okay, I will put my faith in this. And, and we, we, just name it, we can put our faith in it. But then he says at the end of it, he says, they are given over to a depraved mind. The word depraved in the original language means found useless for its intended purpose. So they've got a mind that is useless for its intended purpose. Verse 19 of that chapter. Having become callous, they are given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. With greediness. The vanity of the mind. Okay? Let me tell you something. I've been in this church for 35 years. I've been the senior pastor almost 23 years. Okay. What he's describing here is every single one of us. Some of you know that my past, I was, uh, I think I had a doctorate degree in depravity. Okay. And I've had people tell me, they said, well, the reason you've got so much zeal 
is because you were just so far down there that you now have this, this passion for God. I feel sorry for those people because I can honestly look them in the eye and say, you know what the difference between you and me is? Everything you thought of, I did. It's the only difference. It's the only difference. That's us. That is the redeemed. Every man, woman, and child started off like this. They're lewd. They're greedy. They're blind. They're ignorant. They're alienated. They're darkened. They're vain. They're strangers. And they are absolutely, positively hopeless. They, he starts it off with dead. Okay, what can a dead man do? Nothing. Then he goes through all that they are. They are so dead, they can't fix it. And you know, people say, well, I'm not sure about that. Really? Why do I have to put a 20 mile an hour speed limit around a school zone? Why do I got to do that? Common sense says, you know, there's a bunch of little kids running around here. I could squash one. As I go 55 through there. Why do we put laws up? Because man is lawless. It's all about him. I mean, I have never seen. I mean, it's, it's just like the other day I was in Parker at Main Street and uh, 83. Okay, and there's like 900 lanes there. I mean, with the turning lanes and the three lanes this way and three lanes that way, a turning lane there, two lanes there, the turning lane there, the turn. And I looked around there and I'm on my motorcycle. I look around and everybody, everybody is on the phone. What in the world did we do before phones? I remember carrying a pocket full of cash. So find a pay phone, drop a quarter. But I looked at that and I thought, are all of these people that important that they all have to be on the phone? Okay, now if you're on a motorcycle and everybody's on the phone, you know that they're not really paying a lot of attention to you. So these are the kinds of things that I want you to think about because that is the self-centeredness of human nature. We tell people that we love them. And the truth of the matter is, lost humanity says, I love me and I really like what you can do for me. And if you don't believe me, walk outside. These people are without God. They are evil. They are followers of lies. And you know what? That was each and every one of us at one time. How much fun are they to be around? Has anybody ever been around somebody who's self-centered? All they want to talk about is themselves. Aren't they a blast? You just sit there going, and they say, why aren't you talking? You're saying it all. My grandfather taught me a long time ago, better be quiet and thought stupid than open your mouth and remove all doubt. What a group to hang out with. People say, well, why do you spend so much time by yourself? I've got two options. 
I can hang out with a bunch of evil followers of lies who are self-centered, vain, greedy, lustful, desirable. Or I can be left alone. Listen, people, that's the redeemed. That is the one that the beloved son of God came to buy out of the slave market. God has chosen to redeem sinners. That's the point. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. You know what that means, right? He bought us out of the slave market of lawless deeds and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Zealous for good deeds. Zealous for good works. He redeemed sinners. What a God. What a God. I was reading some stuff in the last couple of weeks. That if I hadn't been on my computer, I'd have probably shot the computer. And the debate is that the God of the Bible is not real, which has been going on for a long time. The argument that they're giving now is mind numbing. Okay? The guy, one of the guys that I read, believes there's a God. Okay? He says, you can't look around and, and say that this was just all random chance. There had to be a designer. Okay? But it can't be the God of the Bible. You know what his argument is? The God of the Bible is the father of child abuse. Look what he did to his son. And you just sit there and go... Whoa, dude. But of course, he is a seminary professor. And you wonder why the church is a little jacked up right now? You know what I understand about that man? He does not understand the condition of the unredeemed. If he understood the condition of the unredeemed, he could never say that. He could never even cross that bridge. You never even get to that bridge. Man does not understand the darkness of his heart. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And I love that phrase. You know why? It's sarcasm. I love sarcasm. The Apostle Paul speaks in sarcasm. I speak in sarcasm. And everybody says, well, that's a mean-spirited. I got it from Paul. <laughs> you know what he's saying? They ain't none of you righteous. They ain't a one of you. Let me tell you something. I've had some dealings this week with a number of pastors. It's the perfect reason I do not... Have a concealed carry. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Because I, I just can't believe some of the stuff that I am hearing. And here's the reason. I look at the church today, and I, and I look at it in my 35 years of being saved. 
Okay, 35 years ago, if you fell on hard times, people would tell you to do what? Go to church. Go surround yourself with some Christians, get your little Bible study thing going and go to church. You know what? I can't do that in good conscience today. I cannot tell. There's a church. I know the guy who's doing it and he's got a men's conference coming up. Okay, you have to pay to go to this thing. Okay, it's a men's conference. There's going to be motivational music. Yeah, that's why I used to go to Grateful Dead concerts. It was motivational. But he advertises it, a car show, a barbecue. And on Saturday, we will deal with porn and pancakes. And you're like, what? But I know the guy. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, that's the church. And you wonder why? Here's the reason. This guy's a big evangelist. That's what he says. Let me tell you something about evangelism. We have a great gap in evangelism right now. Huge gap. Nowhere in my Bible have I found, say this prayer and you'll be saved. It's not in there. Okay, you can keep looking. Listen, key. Key to the redeemed. Not until a person recognizes his sin, that he seeks to be bought out of that slave market, then they can offer themselves to Jesus to receive the gift. I know people right now who will come to me and tell me that they are saved, and I can always ask them the same thing. I have two questions that I ask. What were you saved from? Okay, second question. Tell me five things about Jesus. Okay. And you know what? Very few. I know pastors who can't tell me five things about Jesus. Until a person recognizes their sin. Then they'll seek. People don't recognize their sin. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't stolen anything today. Don't cross the I haven't lied because I don't lie. I just use hyperbole. Exaggeration for effect. The redeemed. The we, us and you. All or have one thing in common. They're sinners. They're sinners. And let me tell you something about sinners. There is no degree of sinners. We like to think, oh, that guy's aware is homosexual. That's really bad. Really? In the context of Deuteronomy, homosexual and liar is the same. And I know none of us have ever lied. I look at this and when I look at the condition of sinners and their helplessness because they are dead in their sin and trespasses, it is unbelievable to me. And, you know, I look around and I hear this argument a lot. All right. Why didn't he go after the good people? There's a problem with that. There aren't any. Remember Jesus saying, if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. 
How do you get away from that one? I mean, I've seen sex sales. They sell hamburgers and tools. Dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. That woman don't know what a ratchet is. But, 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 <laughs> but do you see what I'm trying to get at? It is insane. I, there, how, what is erotic about eating a hamburger? I don't understand some of this stuff. And yet, they do it based on what? Lust. Lust. Desires. You know what? We have an industry in this country that is designed solely and wholly for desire. It's called advertising. Let me show you something that you know you're going to have to have after you see it. And it's it's wrong. And we, we flock to it. The Apostle Paul told the Romans, All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. See, there aren't any good ones. Okay? There aren't any. Now, there's a whole bunch who think they are. But there aren't any. Redeemed sinners, we are the chosen of God. He planned to redeem us before He created. We who respond by faith to the elective purpose of God in time before the world began. You know, I always tell everybody I got saved when the uh, Oakland Raiders beat the Washington Redskins. It had been so long for the AFC to win a Super Bowl, and they beat the Redskins. And I was like, wow, that's the year I got saved. I still don't like the Raiders, but it was the AFC. I know, it sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? You got saved at a Super Bowl? No, I was watching it. Okay? But the truth of the matter is, I was saved before he flung the stars into heaven. This, what we're looking at here in chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, is the planning that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit put together. And you and I today are living that out. We are the ones who accepted this gift. Get me out of this slave hole. And we are now in the Father's love. Now in the Father's love. Again, I'll go back to what Paul is so freaked out in this letter. We are in Him. We are in Christ. We were placed in Christ before the foundations of the world. That's why he tells them, walk worthy. Understand what you have. The resources that you have are the only resources that Jesus has. That's all. Other than that, you're lacking. We are the ones because we are in Christ. We are the redeemed. We are said to be sons of God. We, us, are those in whom God is well pleased. We are the children of the Most High God. And I listen to people. I listen to people try to, there's an argument that's out there. It's been around for about 20 years, maybe a little longer. On low self-esteem. 
Okay? Now, I'm over 60. I have never met a human being in my life who has a low self-esteem. Okay? Now, when I look at the original text, there's a word that is spelled Epsilon Gamma Omega that is always translated a personal pronoun. I, we, things like that. It's always that way. Epsilon Gamma Omega is pronounced ego. I've never met a person who ain't got one. Okay? And yet I have people running around saying, well, I have no self-worth. Well, let me tell you something. If you are in Christ, in whom God is well pleased, then you are his son in whom God is well pleased. How much worth do you need more than that? If that's not enough self-worth for an individual, nothing ever will be. So we've looked at the redeemed, the beloved of God. And we've looked at the, re- or the redeemer, the beloved of God, the redeemed us. A couple of weeks, we'll look at the price. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the apostle Paul, his faithfulness to the task that you set him for. Father, I pray for everyone here. May we be found worthy. May we be found walking in a manner that is well-pleasing to you. May our worship be the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ unto you. And Father, I just praise you that uh, you purchase us out of the slave market of sin. We are not our own. We have been bought and paid for with a price. Thank you, my King. I praise you for what you have done. But Father, with great anticipation, I will wait what you will do. To you, my Lord, my Savior, Christ's name, amen.